0: Welcome to Politics Done right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. Today we are gonna talk about quite a bit of stuff. Donna Brazil has a message for Democrats. We are going to discuss the ills of the false equivalences the mainstream media continues to promote. We close with Ray McGinnis, who discusses 9-11 unanswered questions but let me tell you something folks later on I'm not going to tell you right now but we have some great news for you it's going to make your day but before we start on that I want to kind of give a special message right now you're hearing a whole lot of negative information as far as how we're going to do in 2022 The idea is to bring your spirits down. People that are down, they don't vote. They don't do the things that they know they should do. Don't fall for it. 2022 will be as bright as you allow it to be the democrats are asleep at the wheel and you know it doesn't only it's not only the national democrats it's the texas democrats it's democrats all over that i don't see them engaged the way that they should donna made an observation about 6 weeks out we shouldn't wait till 6 weeks out we need to do more i want you to first listen to her and then we'll go ahead and take it on the other side what she said is prescient and the democrats better start listening
1: Donna Brazil, it does seem like Pennsylvania, one of the few bright spots the Democrats are pinning their hopes on.
2: Well, we got a a couple others. I hope Ohio, after the Republicans spent over 60, 75 million, I think the tie up in Pennsylvania has gone up to $70 million, just beating each other up. So that's an opening for Democrats. We have an opening, I think, uh, in North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Ohio. These are seats where there are Republican retirements. But we also have to protect the home front Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, New Hampshire. Democrats got to stop sleeping at the wheel. Okay? I'm serious. Stop sleeping at the wheel, stop waiting for the last six weeks of the election. I know we're about to spend a ton of money on television, that's like just throwing water uh, in the wind. Democrats got to go back and create communities and remind people what the Democratic Party is doing to help them. Help them at the gas station, help them in the grocery store, help them where it matters in their wallets, in, in, in their homes. But if Democrats are not able to do that and they continue to sleep at the wheel and just rely on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, Forget it. But I, I, I believe, because I trust the woman who was sitting here just a few moments ago, and that's my leader. She's going to fight like hell. And she may not be able to turn the tide of history, which is always what we worry about and you worry about if you had the White House. But you know what? You can still put up a doggone fight. And if Democrats don't put up a fight, they're going to sleep at the will and Republicans and Donald Trump and everything else is going to happen.
0: Absolutely so Donna Brazil, she's absolutely right. And you know what? She said something I hope the, the Democrats understand. You can invest that money in high priced television ads and, and try to see if what if you can get spaghetti to stick to the wall, which is what they're doing. That is silly. It is time to build community. Invest that money. You know how a lot of times Republicans do it? Those emails that are constantly those chain emails, those those letters that go out to people, going into the churches and, and talking to folks, having your 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 advocates, having your, your your narrative in these different areas. Not on TV where you can't I where you can't really direct your traffic appropriately. I mean This stuff about Democrats thinking they can buy some ads, throw it out there, and it's somehow going to stick. No, you have to build community. You have to build trust. That is how it is done. And whenever Democrats start to do that, not forgetting the middle of the country either, that is what got many in trouble by actually not not going into all media markets. We must be addressing every media market, not only through media, but through bodies. Invest in those communities that you want to vote the most. You know, there were times here in, in Houston, I remember when uh, the Democrats they were putting money into these big entities that know nothing about the particular community, a community that they wanted to come out strong and vote for them. You know, I've, I've been in, in organizations where you see they give the, 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 the monies to these big consultants who know nothing about community where they could pay quite a bit less to go ahead and invest in community, invest in what they, I mean, your policies are great, but people have to know about the policies and people have to be a part of the policies. Look, listen to Donna Brazil. Because she's right here. Uh, Donna is not as progressive as um, many of us would like, but you know what? It doesn't matter. What she's saying is absolutely the right thing. And forget about investing in all that TV and start investing in people. Guess what? I have some great news for you guys. KPFT has a home. We finally purchased a home to host uh, our studios again. So very soon, very soon as we get more funds that we can build out, we will be in those studios and we are going to be able to take your calls again. I'm gonna tell you, My KPFT brothers and sisters, how much I missed you over the last two years, having sold the building, having the pandemic, having all those other things that have occurred. We sure miss you. But we are in fun drive mode, folks, and we need your support to, first of all, make sure we can get those studios up to par so that we can open it as soon as possible. We hope so. I am. I am. I am hoping. That we're going to have this thing open in, in, in well, I'm not going to put any numbers on it because, you know, politics is right. We only talk facts here, but we want to get it up in weeks. OK, that's what we're aiming for, to get it up. In Weeks, we do need your support because there's a complete build out for studios, cameras, and all that guy that stuff to give you a complete picture of what it's going to be about. And I'm hoping to be able to work with many to arrange a big launch when we open and have you there with us. And I'm telling you something that I am this is my personal, my personal uh gift to you, my personal request to you, those of you who provide. Support in the name of politics done right, of a hundred dollars or more. Of a hundred dollars or or more, I'll arrange it for however many days it's gonna take. I'm gonna have you there if you so choose, if you so want. A hundred or more, come and sit down in that studio with me as we are doing a live politics done right show. I mean, we need all kind of support, and you know that's a little teaser, yes. But think about it. You you're sitting there and you're in the action in la cámara Bien, la gente te puede ver en la cámara. They'll see you in the camera and we're, we're we're doing together and you see the show being done live. Why don't you support us hundred dollars or more? And I'll start taking down names right of 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 my supporters that are, that are gonna that provide those. And we're having it in studio, folks. So please help us get that studio up and running quickly. We already have the property. I don't have the address with me right on hand now, but in a subsequent show, I'll let you know. We're ready to go, we're serious. We are going to be back on air in the house. In other words, you're not going to, I'm not gonna be pre-recording like I have to right now. We're gonna be doing this baby live you know, and you're going to be able to call in. You're going to be like, man, I don't agree with you on that. 713-526-5738. 713 713-526-573. 526 Please call now before we start completely. Please call now and 713-526-5738 or go to kpft.org. kpft.org, select whatever option you want. Just provide that contribution of, a hundred dollars or more. Well, look, you know you can contribute however many, much you want to contribute. Okay, that's the reality. But I'm saying I'm I'm doing this to try to bring in more, uh, more stuff for our our station. Notice I said our station, right? So, hundred dollars or more. Make sure to select Politics Done Right because all I'm going to get are those folks who are contributing to Politics Done Right that I know who will be coming into the studio with me when we open as we do live programming. Folks, please call 713-526-5738, 713-526-5738, or go to kpft.org. Provide us with $100 or more to be in studio. And we also have a lot of options with books. More to have, I'll tell you about the books right now. Please get one of my several Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The contributions for my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT only membership for $40, a Pacifica only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org, choose politics done right for the program, and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. Chuck Dodd stepped in it once again. You know, you you have to wonder sometimes, what are these guys thinking? The false equivalences is the destructor of America. Again, I repeat, the false equivalences that many of these supposedly down-the-middle reporters, journalists like to do, is actually a destructor of the nation. I want you to listen to this piece and then you'll understand what I'm talking about because what he does, he does this sort of stuff all the time, right? But I mean, it's usually a bit more subtle, but this one here, this false equivalence is actually in my humble opinion, dangerous. Take a listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. (laughs)
1: It's time for us to re-meet our midterm meter. If you don't remember, it's a tool that we cooked up in the political unit that plugs in the key data from our poll to understand and visualize how the political winds nationally are blowing. For the president's party. So we'll give you a little midterm history here, if you will, uh, to give you a sense of the different outcome ranges all the way with exceptional performances by the president's party uh, that limits the loss of seats in years like 1998 and 2002. And then the shellackings where the president's party lost a massive number, particularly of House seats like in 06, 18 and 10. As you can see here, the various shellackings. We're looking most closely here. 10. And 14 and 94, those were three bad Democratic years when there was a Democrat in the White House. 18 and 6 when there were Republicans in the White House. So you can see where we are. So where are we right now uh, with the new NBC News poll? The wrong track sitting at 75 percent. This is obviously in shellacking territory. But when you have 75 percent wrong track, that's how you end up with nominees that people in Washington don't want. OK, John Fetterman and Kathy Barnett are what you get when you get 75 percent wrong track. This were 55 percent wrong track. You might get Connor Lamb and David McCormick, for instance. That's what 75 percent wrong track means. And by the way, good to see an incumbent lose tonight in a primary. These are terrible numbers for incumbents, whether you're in a primary or a general.
0: The first thing that I want you guys to notice that he mentioned, he said when you have numbers like this, you get people in Washington Nobody wants. Wait a minute. I lost it. I forgot. I thought the people who should want are the people who are going to elect these cats in their particular states or in their particular districts. So, what is Chuck talking about when he says, when you are at 75% down, you are going to get people who uh, that get elected who Washington doesn't want. The truth of the matter is we want to make sure Washington doesn't get what it wants because Washington is not doing what it's supposed to do. They're not passing Medicare for all. They're not passing Big Bill uh, Back Better. They're not passing policies that ensure that we can get to greener energy. They're not passing any of these things. So why should we care what Washington wants? So that is the first mistake that I think Chuck makes proper. Okay, but there is another fac- fac- facetious one here that we really need to look at. We really have to look at it. We all know who Kathy Burnett is. Kathy Burnett is a wacko. Kathy Burnett marched on the 6th of January with the Proud Boys. Kathy Burnett is one who is telling women that you cannot, you will not be able to have control over your own bodies. Kathy Burnett is somebody that says, yes, I was conceived on rape. And no matter if you're raped or not, you need to be conceived. That is who Kathy Burnett is. Kathy Burnett is also one who would lie about an election and say, oh, the election was rigged. Ask for you to give me some examples and proof. There's none. She can't come up with anything. That is Kathy Burnett. Who is John Fetterman? John Fetterman is currently the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. Okay? So Chuck, that is implying that you get somebody either far left or far right if you go ahead and have these kind of numbers, right? But here's the kicker. Fetterman has proven himself because when run alongside the current governor of Pennsylvania, guess what? They won, right? So he can act. Fetterman can say, I won a statewide election. Connor Lamb, the centrist, the neoliberal, who everybody wants to say, oh, that is a guy who could get all those, you know, the working class votes. You know what they mean by that? The working class. No, 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 no. You see, Fetterman upped him. Fetterman says, No, 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 no. I am the real working class man. They said, Fetterman, are you a progressive? man didn't fall for the trap. They wanted him to uh, create a progressive versus neoliberal argument. And then that would get into all kinds of directions. He says, I'm not a progressive. But that's, guess what he told progressives after immediately in that sentence after he said, I'm not a progressive. He said, "The Democratic I used to be a progressive. The Democratic Party has reached where I am. In other words, yes, I'm a progressive, but I'm not going to let you use that soundbite in the next ad on me inside of Tinbuck 2, Pennsylvania. Because you guys have maligned progressives in Tinbuck 2, Pennsylvania. I am going to show these guys after being elected what an elected progressive is going to do for Pennsylvania. For you, Chuck Todd, my brother, to put Kathy Burnett in the same vein with John Fetterman is journalistic malpractice. One is a serious politician. One has been the the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. He even won the bet against the lieutenant governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, by betting him that if you, Mr. Dan Patrick of Texas, who is going around the entire country telling Americans that there there was voter fraud, if you find voter fraud anywhere in the Democratic Party, I'll give you, you know, you get $25,000. Actually, that's not what the, the bet was. The bet was Patrick said, I want to find voter fraud and I'll pay up to $2 million to find voter fraud. And Fetterman did find voter fraud. He found it. But it was Republicans voting twice. It was Republican voting for dead people. It was Republicans voting for Trump. That's the only fraud that's been found thus far in the 2020 election, okay? So again, for uh, Chuck Todd to equate John Fetterman and Kathy Barnett is malpractice. Now, if he wants to equate Kathy Barnett with David McCormick, be my guest. As far as I'm concerned, anybody within the Republican party today has to accept the entire mantra of the Republican party. That's why you see uh, smart ones like Liz Cheney and others have co- have come out actively and said this isn't what the Republican Party is supposed to be. You don't hear any of these other guys saying that, and therefore they are in the same boat with Kathy Barnett. But John Fetterman makes a will make a very good senator out of Pennsylvania, and yes, a very good progressive senator of Pennsylvania that will bring us one vote closer to getting rid of the filibuster chuck todd on this one again shame on you do remember we are in fun drive right now but you are still getting yourself a great program uh, that we work at putting together for you stuff that you some that you may know on a small level some that you may not know at all That's why we're here. Politics Done Right, KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston. We're asking you to invest in this community radio station. But why? Because, folks, there's a lot of media out there, but it's not media that you control. It's not media that has your interests at hand. When we're talking about community radio, when we're talking about this community radio station, KPFT 90.1 FM, we're talking about a station that is solely funded by whom? You. And if it is funded by you, our loyalty is to you. Most other stations, commercial stations, they're funded by their advertisers and their advertiser needs to program you. And they need to have you in a particular modal. That is why our politics is so bad. Because we need you uninformed. Politics done right doesn't believe in that. Politics done right, KPFT 90.1 FM, Pacifica Network, we don't believe that. We believe that it is essential that you are in control. It is essential that you support us so that we can feed the ethos that we can give, we can enlighten with what is the absolute truth. In that light, I'm asking you to please call 713 526 5738 or go to kpft.org and support us. You can support us with a $25 membership, a $40 membership, or you can get. Any one of our gifts that you find there, please do this in the name of politics done right. Also, remember that you can get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right wing doom for a contribution of one hundred and twenty dollars. It's worth it. How to talk to your right wing relatives, friends and neighbors for a contribution of one hundred and twenty dollars. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it. Pledge of $120. You can get any two of those books for $200. Any three of those books for $250. That That is to support our station. And all those books, I promise you, give you all that you need to have that conversation across the board to ensure, to help us make a better America. So please support us. Please support KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Call 713-526-5738 or visit kpft.org. In the name of Politics Done Right, please select one of our books, several of our books, or one of our offers. We are here for you. You can get Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash on YouTube Live at politicsunright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. Before you get started, please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds, KPFT in your minds. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support, that is there to provide what that nour- nourishment that we need. 713-526-5738. KPFT.org. Visit us online. Contribute online. KPFT. 90.1 FM, you can visit us at kpft.org. Today, we are honored to have Ray McGinnis. Ray McGinnis is the author of Unanswered Questions, What September 11 Families Asked and the 9-11 Commission Ignored. McGinnis believes the stories of the families of the victims of September 11 and their efforts to establish an inquiry into the attacks. Uh, he offers a doorway for theological reflection about what it means to live in a post nine one one world. Welcome to Politics Done Right, Senor McGuinness. How are you doing today?
3: I- I'm very well. Thank you to be uh, it's so good to be with you today.
0: It's great being with you. Uh, first of all, tell me a little bit about yourself.
3: Well, I I was born in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, I have uh, studied at the University of Toronto, uh, a Bachelor of Arts degree. Uh, political science, religious studies, history, English literature. Uh, I was uh, a Christian education director and worked at the United Church of Canada, kind of like a Methodist, Presbyterian Congregationalist, United Church of Christ in the USA. And uh, I was uh, involved in leadership development events and conference planning for 18 years. And then I for the last uh, 18, 19 years have been teaching writing workshops uh, through my own business uh, across Canada and, and elsewhere, and uh, teaching journal writing workshops and healthcare facilities to help people recover from uh, injury and, uh, and, and illness, uh, helping grief support groups to uh, journal their journey as they go through their journey of grief, having lost someone, as well as uh, taking people on nature trails and stopping to write. Poems and looking at metaphors and everything, so it's it's a it's a really been a good uh, run. And I wrote a book in 2005 called Writing the Sacred, looking at the biblical psalms and helping people write their own new spiritual psalms and poems as they would like to do in the 21st century. So uh, that's you know that's what I've been doing. And in nutshell, I,
0: I I I am I've got to be honest. I read about that and I read about that. issue wanted my audience to hear that, but also more importantly. Uh, I wanted to give some context to then. Why would you write a book called Unanswered Questions? What? The September 11th families asked and the 9-11 commission ignored. What really was the impetus for that book?
3: Yeah, I would call myself the accidental author when it comes to writing about this. I thought somebody else would write the kind of book I've ended up writing. Uh, I, I was in Joshua Tree National Park in southeastern California on September 11th with 60 Americans from 30 states across the USA. And two people there had lost. Uh, well, they didn't lose, but they had a financial advisor who worked in one of the Twin Towers, and they were very worried he would die. He did live, but it was very, you know gripping for them and difficult for everybody. Uh, And, you know, and I couldn't leave America for five days because no planes were flying and finally took a bus across from Seattle up to Canada. Uh, And then my life went on. Uh, Fast forward in 2007. uh, I mean, the 9-11 Commission was a blip on the screen. And the, the reporting up here in Canada was, you know, very marginal. Uh, I, I did see Condoleezza Rice uh, testify briefly before I was called to dinner visiting friends. And so I was surprised when I went to a bookstore in 2007 uh, uh, called uh, I was getting looking for a new book to read in the middle of a writing workshop tour in Canada. And uh, Kristen Breitweiser, who lost her husband, Ron, in the South Tower, had written a book called Wake Up Call, The Political Education of a 9-11 Widow. And I looked at the book and decided to buy it. And I was really surprised that I could go for six years following the news as I do from time to time. Sometimes it's a writing workshop for a weekend or a week and I miss things, but I'm generally on top of the news. And how could I go for five, for six years and not hear anything about the families in this regard? I'd read obituaries reprinted from the New York Times and local papers, and I'd heard people read the names of those they lost on anniversaries. And I'd read a few uh, you know articles about some of the amazing people who sadly, tragically died that day but I had not read anything in in six years, or heard anything on the radio or TV that let me know that among the families who lost loved ones, that there were hundreds and hundreds who went to New York uh, to to Washington D.C. to rally in June of two thousand and two, uh, who testified before the Joint Senate and Congressional uh, Intelligence Committees uh, and, and knocked on the doors of members of Congress and Senate to demand an investigation, and including asking the president to do so. And I thought, how could I have missed this? whole story, which I learned uh, by the uh, co-chairs of the 9-11 Commission, Lee Hamilton and Thomas Keane, in their memoir, uh, uh, Without Precedent, referred to these families' efforts as one of the best examples of grassroots democracy and citizen advocacy in many decades. And I thought, how could I have missed that story? I mean, I I knew who Rosa Parks was. (laughs) She did something, you know, way back in the late 50s uh, to make a difference with civil rights. But here are these people who had lost loved ones. And we all talk about the families who lost loved ones and the September 11th families and the, and the 9-11 heroes, the first responders. But here I was going six. So I decided after uh, reading her book, uh, I went to their website, which is still up there now. And you can look at their hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions that they asked the 9-11 commission to investigate, which are still were never addressed. Um, 9% of the questions were addressed uh, 70% were never touched on. Another about 20% were just sort of briefly grazed on or acknowledged. But uh, it wasn't uh, an investigation. If, if I went to, uh, when I was in school or university, if I had filled out a, an uh, an exam, and only answered 9% of the questions, and just briefly mentioned a few others, I wouldn't have gotten a passing grade. So I thought that, uh, you know, and as the years rolled on, so about 2015, you know, I had, my dad had had cancer, and for a number of years, I wasn't focused on thinking about writing a book or anything like this. But I, it, can, it occurred to me in conversation with a number of friends, relatives in the USA and friends up here, that here with the here was this amazing story about these families and a real accessible way, because we all understand the families. Uh, and I thought uh, a way for me to write a book, um, which would be different than than some other ones out there. There are numbers of other books that are, I would say, more declarative and assertive around uh, um, American government complicity, possibly, and writing more hardball political science or history books. And I wanted to write a book that would be uh, accessible for Uh, The many thousands of people who'd taken writing workshops from me who were not news junkies, but were interested in personal narrative. And I thought if I write this book and and in addition to some of the information that I would need to write about in terms of what these questions are that weren't addressed, if I layer it with enough personal story and let, you know, lift up. Excerpts of testimony before the 9/11 Commission from Mary Fetchett who lost her son Brad, or Mindy Kleinberg, who lost her husband Alan, or Monica Gabrielle, who lost her husband Richard, and introduce these 12 people on the Family Steering Committee to the reading audience, plus other first responders and other people in the in the story. Then it'll be a book that that keeps moving from chapter to chapter, and it'll be you know they people they won't be able to put it down. Let and, me let me stop yeah.
0: you a second there, uh, Ray, because uh, a bit, once we start talking about a 9-11 book or a book of 9-11 stories not covered, the first thing that many people are going to think about is, is this some sort of conspiracy theory book? Yes or no?
3: No, I wouldn't say it's a conspiracy theory. Uh, It's a historical fact that the families, uh, not all of them, many families and many people, when you lose a loved one uh, and you grieve. Uh, The inclination is to tuck in, to grieve and heal and do that in private way off the spotlight of any kind of uh, news cameras or or microphones from reporters. But here you've got uh, families that went to Washington, D.C., asked for an investigation. Uh, Many of the people of the dozen people on the family steering committee, five of them. Uh, that I know of, and there may be more, but five of them I know for sure told the press how they voted in the year 2003 and three of those five voted for the Bush-Cheney ticket. So the people who were involved in 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 wanting to have an investigation, many of them believe that having voted for the for President Bush, that he would be their strongest advocate. That he, of course, would want to know what went wrong, uh, and and so uh, it's a it's a story writing about. Uh, The efforts of the families, uh, the actual questions that they asked the 9-11 commission and the commissioners, by the way, when they received the hundreds and hundreds of questions from these families, they said to the press in March of 2003 that these questions would be a roadmap for how to do the investigation. And so at least the public face of of how they were receiving the families' questions was with great appreciation. And so it's it's really I really write about you know what happens behind the scenes, how the families are hopeful. I mean, Mindy Kleinberg said they were always hopeful that the government would answer the questions, I and yet that. what? Yeah. Let,
0: let, let, let's break you there because I, I want to kind of bring it now within the context of the program here and ask specifically: um, uh, you wrote the book to give these people a voice that they hadn't heard. Uh, from their a voice that wasn't listened to by their own government. You were you presented a book that was a part of their voices. Give me an example of some of these voices that weren't heard.
3: Well, uh, some of the some of the individuals. Um, yes. Yeah. So, uh, Lori Van Auken lost her husband Kenneth uh, Van Auken, who died in the North Tower. Um, she lived in New Jersey. Um, Uh, um, Sally Regenhardt is in Manhattan. She lost her her 28-year-old son, Christian, who was a a U.S. Marine and now a probationary firefighter with the New York Fire Department for nine months. Uh, Patty Cassaza uh, was a nursing student and her husband, John, died in the North Tower. Uh, Monica Gabrielle uh, uh, lived in in Manhattan with her husband, Richard. Uh, you know, she, you know, they, they were, you know, looking forward to retirement in 10 years, uh, uh, Mary Fetchett lost her son is up in new, uh, new Haven, Connecticut, I think or new Canaan. I mean, and, uh, her son, Brad was like 24 years old. Uh, he died in the South tower. And, and so, I mean, are all these, of these, are these,
0: are these people that, that, uh, it, it's tragic that these people yeah. have lost, uh, family members, did they do some sort of a uh, research thereafter to kind of find out exactly what they thought happened, why they wanted to go up to Congress and say, hey, you guys have not been telling the whole story?
3: Well, they they were aware. I mean, Mary Fetchett, testifying before the 9-11 Commission on the 31st of March 2003, said uh, in in 1986, there was a Challenger space shuttle with a number of astronauts who sadly died. 28th of January, and within five days, President Reagan said, "We need to find out what went wrong, so this doesn't happen again." And here you have uh, the greatest loss of, of of life on U.S. domestic soil since Pearl Harbor in December of 1941. Why wouldn't the government want to know what went wrong to fix whatever went wrong, to, like whoever was was falling down on the job or whatever you know the protocols are, so that they can. You know, learn the tra- learn the tough lessons to make the nation safer going forward. Of course, uh, yeah.
0: Now, of and- the, these people that, um, that had any of these people, I know they had questions, and of any of these questions, or inf- any of these questions informed by some some entity that really kind of said the narrative that we're hearing on national TV isn't necessarily the appropriate narrative
3: you know it's an interesting it's an interesting th- question about the but, you know the catalyst for the momentum one of the first things that happens is in september october of 2001 congress is discussing i think a 14-15 billion dollar bailout package for the airlines and at that point somebody on the con- congressional floor said ooh uh-uh, i think we better have some uh, the families also get some compensation too So this is a big catalyst because you have all of these individual people, many of them who are, I mean, some of them uh, are are familiar with politics. Some of them, Kristen Breitweiser had training in law, but many of them, I mean, Mary Fetchett said she was never involved in politics in any way before this. Uh, But now you have families gathering together because the government has communicated with them probably by letter and said, you need to come to this hall in New York City or Washington, D.C. and have a, 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 you know, an information session about the victim's. Compensation fund.
0: Let me People stop like, you there. I, I yeah. gotta stop you there because this is a political show, okay? And you the the, mo- the most important political statement that you've just made for a program like mine is a statement you just made. The government created a $15 billion fund to bail out airlines before it even occurred to them to actually create some support fund for the victims and the victims' families of. 9, 11, casualty, those buildings fallen. Did I understand that correctly? That's correct. And and that is profound. And that tells much about who we are. Continue, please. I just had to, yeah. I just needed to get that out there for our, many, we have many viewers from all different ideologies. And when we try to explain to them that the way our system works is always catered towards you know whom the, 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 the corporatocracy and that people be damned. You just said it in a, a book that likely had nothing to do with this type of politics. Go ahead, please.
3: Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, there are people who are uh, like Carrie Lemack, uh is one of the people. There are a whole number of, you know, dozens of different 9-11 family groups that are forming. For various reasons in different places. One of them is called the Families of September 11 or the FOS 11. And Carrie Lemack and Robin Weiner are two of the people from that group that end up on the family steering committee that I'm following. But Carrie Lemack goes to one of these victims' compensation fund meetings and she asks permission if she can write down the names and numbers of some other family members so they can talk to each other and stay in touch afterward. And that she's one of the people who who starts to get people to form a family group but now they're starting to form clusters and it's sort of over over the 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 winter of 2001 2002 and the families are are a lot of them are expecting uh that the government is just going to go ahead and do the right thing and and because of their own interest in in security and 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 defense to just find out what happened but it seems that instead what's happening is Vice President Cheney is saying, uh, no, um, he's phoning Tom Daschle, the Senate minority le- majority leader at the time, later minority. And after the 2002 election, but he's ma- majority leader saying he wants them to quash any any efforts for an investigation. Uh, they're saying to Cheney is saying, as, as is Bush, we don't have any money. Um, we, uh, uh, you know, it's a distraction. Uh, it'll be a comfort to the terrorists if we have an investigation. And I remember reading, uh, you know, Carrie Leemack says it was it was during, you know, I think there was a Washington Post headline in January of 2002 about Bush only wanting to have like a very secret behind closed doors investigation, if anything. And she hit the roof and said, you know, this is crazy. There needs to be an investigation. We need to know what what's you know, what went wrong. So uh, so you have a lot of Republican as well as independent and Democrat family members that have one thing in common is they've lost some, they've lost someone and, and they begin to coalesce and they're all, I mean, the people who are gathering are wanting to stress non-partisanship. They get a rally in June 11, 2002 and, uh, Senator uh, Joe Lieberman from Connecticut is there. Another prominent uh, member of the Senate is John McCain, Republican from Arizona. So you've got a lot of bipartisan support of Republican and Democrat in the Senate and in Congress who are supporting and helping these families find out. You know, here's a fax machine or here's a photocopier on Washington D.C. because people are getting dressed up to look uh, presentable and go and knock on doors. So they're finding their way. They're stick handling through it and then finally the president says okay uh after a lot of pressure because Kristen breitweiser gives a a electric performance uh telling the the uh senate and and congressional intelligence committees in september 18 2002 that there really needs to be investigation because all the things that they're supposed to go on all these protocols they're supposed to happen just didn't seem to be going on at all and so uh they agree, they agree. And then there was somebody in the White House who said that um, to the press that a train was coming and nothing was going to stop it. And so the president signs this, uh, you know, uh, you know, we're going to go ahead and get to the bottom of this. And then he appoints Henry Kissinger, who's got a long track record of secrecy. Of course. Yeah. So the families gather in late uh, November, or early December and I think it's early December. And uh, they go to Kissinger's uh, office up on Parker, Madison Avenue, and it's cold. They're wearing their winter coats, but he turns up the heat, you know, as high as the thermometer can go, uh, 86 degrees or something. And uh, they're peeling off their coats and and he doesn't really want them to stay very long. Uh, and, uh, a couple of them, Kristen Breitweiser's done some background checks on, on him and, and they want to make sure there's no conflict of interest. And he's pouring coffee for the dozen people there. And Lori Van Awkins asks, you know, Dr. Kissinger, we just want to make sure that you don't have any conflicts of interest since you're going to head this, uh, in- investigation that you don't have any clients by the name of bin Laden. At that point, he starts to spill coffee all over the coffee table and, you know, falls off the loses his balance and falls off the, the couch and blames it on a fake eye. Uh, many of the women, uh, I think Patty Casazza mentions a lot, they kind of go into into cleanup mode. They're training as mothers and so on, and they start finding the paper towel and mopping up the, the coffee. But the next day, I wonder why. <laughs> but the next day, Kissinger resigns. And and so then then they have uh, Tom Keene, who uh, they you know, find out later has is on on a board of one of the companies as part of a consortium, very interested in having a pipeline across Afghanistan. And, you know,
0: so in, that, in effect, what you're saying is in as much as we had a whole lot of dead Americans from a terrorist attack, which was legitimately a terrorist attack, I don't think uh, you're disputing that there was still money to be made or money that nobody wants to risk by trying to expand that too much into investigating what families wanted to hear. Is that what I'm understanding, including not going after the Saudis who uh, were kind of escorted out of the country, as I recall?
3: Yes. You know, the co-chair is Lee Hamilton. Um, I could say, okay, I mean, Bush is resistant. He's a Republican uh, administration. So let's, you know, a Democrat, Lee Hamilton from Indiana, who's been yeah it doesn't matter. Uh, Lee Hamilton happens to be they find out a best friend of uh, Dick Cheney, a best friend of Donald Rumsfeld, Secretary of Defense, for many decades. The Hamiltons, Cheneys, and Rumsfelds go off together for vacations from time to time. and uh, then the families you know are meeting in you know march of, of February March of two thousand and three find out that Lee Hamilton is against having any public hearings at all. Doesn't want to have any sub- people coming for subpoena, uh, you no, know, no testifying under oath. You know, he thinks it's gonna be d- you know dangerous to do those things. Well, so the fa- yeah,
0: yeah. Let, let me tell you, um, I I think you in your book, which has very little in, in outwardly to what we talk about when we talk about the politics that we do here, proved that even that the politics that we do here affects not only the politics as we see it. But, but other items like 9-11, how the corruption within our economic system, the corruption between our political socioeconomic system plays into this whole thing. Of course, Hamilton and Cheney goes out to lunch. Of course, these guys are in different parties. Of course, each of them presents the guardians of the gates of the majority party so that the one Group in this country that does well continue to do well, and they know no party, they know nothing, they just know about ruling. And I think your book it, uh, present, the, I mean, with all the imagination as it goes through, presents that in a di- through a different lens.
3: Yeah, well, and I mean, the families, you know, like people expect that the people that they're relating to and getting to get to know, I mean, they, they have an official liaison with two uh, 9-11 commission staff. Uh, they have a front row seat. They've given the, the commissioners the questions. And then they find out later on that the executive director, Philip Zellico, has together with another senior counsel, Ernest May, put together an outline in March of 2003, of the whole 9/11 Commission report, the chapter headings and subheadings. This doesn't come out until the spring of 2004. But Bob McElvain, whose son Bobby died, and he's not on the Family Steering Committee, but he was, you know, close, with, and he was also sometimes in part of some of these meetings. He says, just uh, it's, it's mind-boggling that you would have an investigation uh, where you prescribe what you think you're going to find before you start to do the investigation.
0: Exactly. Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, you've also got Zellico, uh, um, his executive secretary, Heidi Hott, uh, Karen Hottaker, uh, who have a, a resume from working with U.S. embassies in Europe, expects a certain standard, and so she keeps a phone log and is disco- discovers there's numerous phone calls that Zellico is receiving, including herself, from Karl Rove.
0: Great. And a, How yeah. many pages are in your book? Uh, 454. It, it seems that way because you have the whole story. Now, look, we are close to getting out of time here. So in, in one minute, tell me a synopsis that you want all of our audience to know and tell them why you want them to check this book out and what it's going to do for them.
3: I think that that this book is about uh, the stonewalling and the ignoring of a legitimate Inquiry into what happened in a major event. We all live in a post 9-11 world. And I think that democracy is, uh, you know, depends on transparency and accountability and trustworthiness. And when you have a government ignoring and, and trying to get away with addressing questions, even from first responders and family members, it's a problem. And I think that the story is a cautionary tale of what's uh what to keep watch for and, and keep vigilant and so
0: ironically um you're the just the way you explain much of what um uh what what occurred the intersectionality with what we talk about here is actually quite obvious now um i always ask the last question i ask you to answer it in 30 seconds what would you have liked me to ask you that i didn't
3: um <laughs> Uh, I would have liked you to ask me about the 9-11 Museum, as I think about it, and and to think about how that is a a, a testament that's there, very physical. But also for your viewers to be curious about what are the more transitory exhibits in museums and galleries and in plays that have messages that are off, off message from what the museum
0: suggests. Ray McGuinness, author of Unanswered Questions, What the September 11th Families Asked and the 9-11 Commission Ignored. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Great to be with you. Guess what? I have some great news for you guys. KPFT has a home. We finally purchased a home to host uh, our studios again. So very soon... Very soon, as we get more funds that we can build out, we will be in those studios and we are going to be able to take your calls again. I'm going to tell you, my KPFT brothers and sisters, how much I missed you over the last two years. Having sold the building, having the pandemic, having all those other things that have occurred, we sure miss you. But we are in fund drive mode, folks, and we need your support to, first of all, Make sure we can get those studios up to par so that we can open it as soon as possible. We hope so. I am, I am, I am hoping that we are going to have this thing open in in. in well, I'm not going to put any numbers on it because you know politics done right. We only talk facts here, but we want to get it up in weeks. Okay, that's what we're aiming for to get it up in weeks. We do need your support because there's a complete build out for studios, cameras and all that guy, that stuff to give you a complete picture of what Six's going to be about. And I'm hoping to be able to work with many to arrange a big launch when we open and have you there with us. And I'm telling you something that I am this is my personal my personal uh, gift to you, my personal request to you. Those of you who provide Support in the name of politics done right, of a hundred dollars or more. Of a hundred dollars or or more, I'll arrange it for however many days it's gonna take. I'm gonna have you there if you so choose, if you so want. A hundred or more, come and sit down in that studio with me as we are doing a live politics done right show. I mean, we need all kind of support, and you know that's a little teaser, yes. But think about it. You you're sitting there and you're in the action and la cámara Bien, la gente te puede ver en la camara I'll see you on the camera and we're 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 doing together and you see the show being done live. Why don't you support us a hundred dollars or more and I'll start taking down names right of 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 my supporters that are, that are gonna that provide those and we're having it in studio folks. So please help us get that studio up and running quickly we already have the property i don't have the address with me right on hand now but in a subsequent show i'll let you know we are ready to go we're serious we are going to be back on air in the house in other words you're not going i'm not going to be pre-recording like i have to right now we're going to be doing this baby live you know, and you're going to be able to call in. You're going to be like, man, I don't agree with you on that. 713-526-5738, 713 713-526-573. 526 Please call now before we start completely. Please call now and 713-526-5738 or go to kpft.org, kpft.org. Select whatever option you want. Just provide that contribution of, a hundred dollars or more. Well, look, you know you can contribute however much you want to contribute. Okay, that's the reality. But I'm saying I'm I'm doing this to try to bring in more, uh, more stuff for our our station. Notice I said our station, right? So, hundred dollars or more. Make sure to select politics done right, because all I'm going to get are those folks who are contributing to politics done right. That I know who will be coming into the studio with me when we open as we do live programming. Folks, please call 713-526-5738, 713-526-5738, or go to kpft.org. Provide us with $100 or more to be in studio. And we also have a lot of options with books. I'll tell you about the books right now. Please get one of my several books Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The contributions for my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT only membership for $40, a Pacifica only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org, choose podcast, politics done right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. You can listen IES but don't you forget listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds keep KPFT to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willies. Let us engage.